Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, today I have a wonderful guest with me. Her name is Sarah Maya Webb. Now, Sarah is an author, an inspirational speaker, and a self-proclaimed spiritual activist dedicated to leading an intentional life and her mission of healing the world one person at a time. She has a book called Look Lush. It's a collection of poetry outlining her rise from the ashes after a multi-man rape, coming out of the closet, and getting sober and healing addiction through the power within ourselves in conjunction with nature. Sarah lives in Florida with her powerhouse wife, three brilliant children, and too many to count, four-legged fur babies. Sarah, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much, Dana, for that warm welcome. Yeah, we do have too many fur babies. It's a lot to handle. I mean, the children are pretty, they can take care of themselves, but those fur babies are a lot. They are a lot. That's wonderful. So from listening to your bio, you have been through a lot. And I was wondering where you would like to start to help my listeners understand your journey. Yeah, thank you so much. I really started meditating for the first time when I started practicing yoga. I had some car accident trauma in my teenage years and was not able to really work out in the traditional way. So I found yoga around the age of 19 and then I guess that was moving meditation and the first times that I was really introduced to meditating after yoga, I started doing some mindfulness and dabbling in Deepak Chopra and never really found a consistent meditation practice. But six years ago, I found TM or Transcendental Meditation, which is a mantra-based meditation that you do 20 minutes twice a day. And I learned from a teacher here in Florida, you go to like a four day course, it's like two hours a day for four days. And that changed my life. I really wanted to find a consistent meditation practice because of stress. And we all experience stress. Oh, yes, we do. I guess I just wasn't admitting to myself some of the trauma that you described in the lead in. 14 years ago, I was raped by eight men and they really beat me up and uh, pretty much left me for dead. They left me outside in front of the hotel room where I was staying. I was on vacation and I am really proud of my subconscious brain because it did exactly what it was supposed to do and it repressed those traumatic memories Mm -hmm. and I basically started drinking a lot more in order to not admit, not deal with what had occurred. I did not go to the police. I told my sister because she was with me. It was actually a family vacation. I didn't tell anybody what had happened. And because I started meditating about eight years after this occurred, I 
started to go within. And the first thing that happened is I noticed that I was drinking a lot. It started to make me realize how my habits were affecting me. So when I started to change my relationship with alcohol, that made me realize that I didn't have to have sex with men anymore because I was using alcohol to have sex with men. I really, I knew I was gay from the first time I ever was intimate with a woman, but I tried to repress that, of course, in order to have a baby the traditional way. I was raised in a very strict Southern Baptist. I'm from Southern Louisiana. And my parents never would have accepted me and still don't really accept me as a homosexual person. They believe that you can pray the gay away and that it's a choice, which really puts a strain on our relationship. But in any case, you know, the, the root of it was just starting to meditate and becoming aware. I mean, meditation creates this beautiful space of awareness. So after I got sober, then I started to really dig into my past trauma and I have healed completely. I have forgiven every single one of those men. I have worked with a hypnotherapist, a transpersonal hypnotherapist who, you know, even though we may have repressed it, our subconscious is aware of it and we can mm -hmm. go to those spaces. Mm -hmm. And I completely relived the entire experience and asked to see their faces and, and forgave every single one of them. And it has completely liberated me. Once I went through that again and, and forgave them, I don't have to carry that anymore. I am able to be free and speak about it. I, I wrote about it in a, a very obtuse way. And I really focused on the healing and the power of meditation and, and how we can heal ourselves. I believe that we're all healers and we all have this, this fire within ourselves, this power within ourselves. I believe that we are accessing what the quantum, what quantum physics postulates as the unified field of all possibility when we meditate. And you could call that God with a capital G or a lowercase g. You could call it the Holy Spirit. But regardless of what it is, it is incredibly powerful. I have had some amazing experiences while under very simple meditation, just inside of my own self, mm -hmm. where I feel like I'm as big as the universe and where I feel like I'm held and, and safe. And it's, it's just so powerful. And it, it's not the same every single time, but it builds. And I mean, it's literally a reset for our nervous system. Our nervous system is so aptly named. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I told Sarah that as she was talking, I was going to be writing notes down and already just in this short period of time, I already have like five things <laughs> written down <laughs> that, you know, are things that you've said have kind of sparked something in my mind. First of all, I wanted to point out, sometimes I've heard of people that have not processed their trauma. When they try to be meditative, when they try to be still and go inside, if their trauma is sitting there because they've repressed it down for different reasons, it's a, kind of a scary experience until they process the trauma. And I have 
done a lot of inner child work with what kind of what you're talking about. I've done that with my patients and it is quite amazing to see what can happen because the inner child work is about going back and you have the power this time, the power of kind of shaping the imaginal exposure of how you would like to do that, what you want to say, what you want to have said, what you want done. You are in charge that when you go back as an adult, back to that and finding that younger self that is hurt and in pain and wounded and needing healing. And we get the chance to do that. We go back and we heal her and, and find out what she needs and provide that. It's just, is so powerful. You said that repression, we were talking about repressing memories and a hundred percent on board because our mind knows when we're ready to process something. And when I have patients come into my office and they're like, you know, I just kind of feel like I need to, something's there. And I'm like, let me tell you something that I know that I've learned over time because I've seen it over and over is that when your mind knows that you are ready to process it, it will bubble to the surface and be right there ready for you to do that. And if that has not happened, all that means is your mind is gauging that you're not quite ready. Maybe you haven't established a safe place in your life. Maybe you don't have enough people in your life that are encouraging you or supportive of you, but your mind knows. And so it does, it does this beautiful job of pushing memories down and away from us when we're not ready to feel them and face them. And then when we are, it like opens that door and it gives us an opportunity to do that inner child work that you were describing. It's just, just amazing to watch. Absolutely. I mean, I think that a couple of things, you know, first of all, when we go into meditation, maybe sometimes we have that realization that there's some work to do and perhaps we can go in and maybe we don't find the answer, but we might find a breadcrumb about where to go next for help. I mean, I tell all my clients and when I give inspirational talks, I, I talk about the fact that all around us, there are billions of bits of data, billions with a B. And the human brain can process around 11 million of those billions of bits per second. But we're only conscious of between 40 and 50 of those 11 million bits per second. Not 40 or 50,000. On average, we're conscious of about 45 of the 11 million bits that are hitting our brains and our bodies. This is all data. Wow. So I did the math. We are conscious of 0.04% of everything that's available to us. Everything else, the 99.96% is being processed by our subconscious. I'll give you another statistic to tie this together. Our bodies have 11 million sensory receptors. So we have five senses and 11 million sensory receptors, but 10 million of the 11 million are dedicated toward our sight. So how do you access the 99.96% of information that's already in there? you shut off 10 million of your 11 million sensory receptors and go inside. Cause that's why when we close our eyes, we can feel more. It's like mm -hmm. a lot of times with my clients, I, I get them to just get quiet. And when they're talking about something that's frustrating them or some sort of a situation, a person in their life that, that resides in the body somewhere. And mm -hmm. if we just shut up, shut off our 10 million of our 11 million sensory receptors and go inside, we can feel it and be with that. And, 
then we can go back to, because usually we repeat these patterns and cycles, go back to that, I call it a same similar event, you know, an earlier event that's not exactly the same, but similar. And that we're trying, our subconscious is trying to work this out. So sometimes there might be a little breadcrumb there. Let's say we're having a frustrating event, sit down and say, okay, body, what should I do? Is it, should I go on a Facebook group and, and say, I'm asking for a friend, for a therapist? Like, you know, should I, can I access something? Oh, I remember that my friend Joe was talking about how he did some work a few years ago. Let me reach out to him. You know, just, we've got the information inside. It's Mm -hmm. just a matter of getting quiet enough and not distracting ourselves with all of the billions of bits of data and the screens and the people and the ice cream and the sex and whatever it is, right? We're, We're really masters at dissociation and distraction. Yes. But if we can just get honest and get quiet, there's lots of magic inside there. You have hit so many nails on the head. I mean, there is a huge just epidemic of distraction. Of, yes. I see this all the time. People don't want to face. They don't want to feel. They don't want to process if it's uncomfortable, if it's mm-hmm. painful. And so they're avoiding it. They're running mm-hmm. from it. And they use distraction to do that. And I've taught my patients, I'm like, as long as you're avoiding something, whatever you're avoiding, the more effort you put into avoiding it, the larger it becomes (laughs) until it's humongous. And you feel like you're running away from a monster and you can feel the monster breath blowing your hair on the back of your neck because it's right behind you. I said, you're going to have to stop and actually turn around and face what it is and feel it and process it. So you don't have to just keep running and running and running and running your whole life using all of these things, kind of like that you mentioned earlier. I mean, we, we can use purchasing things. We can use alcohol. We can use sex. We can use other people like relationships, talking, work. You know, we use any kinds of things to keep us from slowing down long enough to, like you said, be aware of our bodies and what our bodies are telling us. And I think that is a huge, huge thing to honor our bodies, honor what our bodies are telling us. Listen, you don't have to understand. You don't have to understand. Give yourself space and permission not to have to understand it because that part of your mind is so small compared to everything else. You can honor it and accept it, even though you don't understand it. And this kind of reminds me of like something I used to tell my kids when they were, they were growing up. I said, you know what, if you're ever at somebody's house and you get a bad feeling about somebody, even though your logical mind is saying that doesn't make any sense, this person is a, is a deacon at the church, or this person is, you know, the the, parent of my best friend. That doesn't make any sense that I feel these kind of heebie jeebies where the, where the hair is standing up on my arms or something feels like it's crawling over my skin. I said, listen, if you have that feeling, you listen to it, you call me, you text me. If it's two o'clock in the morning, I don't care. I will come get you pay attention to that pay attention to your body. It doesn't matter if you understand it logically because your body is telling you something. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. Same over here. I'm shaking my head and writing lots of notes. I, I, 
going back to something that you did say, and I tell my daughter very similar things. I, I have two daughters, but my, my youngest one, I tell her, you know, if you ever are uncomfortable and you can always call me, it doesn't matter what time it is. It doesn't yep. matter where you yep. are. And I, I will not be mad. I'm always going to help you. So, yeah. so very similar, <laughs> but going back to, you know, these monsters and the, it's basically our, our shadow or the shadows of our lives, whatever you want to call it. I mean, the only way for a shadow to disappear is to shine light on it. Exactly. 100%. Otherwise it's just going to grow. And if we ignore it, you know, it's like you can't make a baby stop crying by putting it in the closet. No, that's certainly not going to help. Right. This you got to tend to it. So, yeah, I'm absolutely with you. Listen to your body. Listen to your gut. Because we have just as many sensory receptors in our gut. They call that like our second brain. Yeah. In our gut. You know, we've got so many receptors there. Literally. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. What is something that's so neat is about what you're talking about too, is that this, what I said earlier about the feeling, the monster breath on your back, you know, because you're avoiding something, whatever this is that you're avoiding, the good news is it's technically in your own brain or your own body. You own it, which means you, you get to do something about that. At this point, when it originally happened to you, it was someone else who usually did something to you. And it lodged as trauma inside of you. And we have the big T traumas, like what you described earlier, is definitely a big T trauma. But right. we also have what's called small T traumas. We can go through yeah. things that they're still traumatizing, even though they weren't as large as someone's large T traumas. And those get mm -hmm. lodged. But once it's happened, that is in our own mind. It's in our own body, which means we get access to it, to do with it what we want to. We can get to it. We can honor it. We can face it, feel it, process. We can heal it. It's no longer, it doesn't reside with someone else. It resides within us, which is what I'm hearing you say about yeah. being aware of all the receptors and, and what's going on inside your body. Yeah, absolutely. When I got honest about what happened, it wasn't pretty, but I, you know, healing requires injury. Mm -hmm. That's the whole definition of it. There's gotta have been an injury. I'm not saying go out and injure yourself just so you can heal, mm -hmm. but I talk about traumas with a capital T and a lowercase T as well. It's like, it, it doesn't matter. My story doesn't necessarily compare to anybody else's. It's like, I believe that life won't give you anything that you can't handle. We, we all have the resources inside of us. Maybe that's the knowledge to be able to call somebody who can help us or lead us down a path or, you know, do some inner child work. I've done similar. I've found out through deep hypnosis that this trauma at 27 years old wasn't the first time that I was sexually abused. Mm -hmm. It happened very early in my childhood. And I also have relived those experiences and forgiven those people. I mean, it was somebody very close to me in my family. Mm -hmm. And I still have contact with that person and, and have not called them out on it or tried to get a, an apology or any kind of retribution because, I mean, anger is drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die, mm -hmm. right? We've got to heal the anger within ourselves because just like in Buddhist tradition, somebody can give you a gift and it might be a nice gift or it might be an ugly gift and you can choose and just say, no, thank you. You can choose to not accept it. So 
somebody's trying to make you mad or, you know, nobody can make you mad. Nobody can make. <laughs> I love this. I have preached this happy. so much. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, Sarah's it's... saying it too. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, that's a boundary issue. It's like, you know, we have our own feelings. We own our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, but someone else's thoughts, feelings, and actions belong to them. We are not responsible Mm -hmm. for those. We can't, we didn't create them. We can't cure those. We can't control those things. We own our own. We don't own somebody else's. So... Yes, girl, you're preaching. I, I have said that so much, but we say that a lot, don't we? You made me mad or they right. made me mad. It's like, no, they did this. And then you decided to react with anger. Exactly. And I like that because that puts the power in our yard. If we reacted with anger and we don't like that, we don't want to react with anger, then we get to do something about that. The power is not that someone else made us do something. That emotion mm-hmm. belongs to us to decide mm-hmm. how we want to manage that or do something about that. That's right. I absolutely agree. Nobody can make you feel anything. We are in charge of our feelings and emotions. Yeah. I always say there's only two things you can control. Your thoughts and your actions. And people who don't have boundaries tend to be control freaks, right? Mm-hmm. They're pushing other people's boundaries and trying to control, trying to manipulate in places where they don't necessarily deserve to be. And I come from a family like that. So I completely understand. I have to reestablish boundaries a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you said earlier about um, having a, a memory of an earlier abuse situation with a family member. You know, we can reach a point where we can forgive, which is we get to let go of something so it doesn't continue to drag us down and injure us. We can let that go. What's also true is that when that person is still in our life, boundaries are what helps keep us safe. It makes us Mm -hmm. feel safe. So we can still be around that person if we understand, okay, I'm going to allow this person to interact with me on this level, not any closer. And Mm -hmm. we're the ones that get to decide that. And that makes us feel safe. So we can forgive someone and we don't have to like run across the country to get away from them whether it's a, a family member, a friend, a coworker, or whoever that we have to be around for some reason, if we set healthy boundaries with that person, we're going to decide what we're going to share with them, what we're going to say, what we're not going to say. We're going to decide how, how physically close we're going to be with them. You know, we're going to decide what kind of conversations we're going to participate in or what we're not. We get to say that. So that creates that safety for us. So we can face those things. We can forgive and then set healthy boundaries in place so we can move forward and feeling safe. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've had to do that dozens and dozens of times, especially since I got sober because I am aware, of course the meditation has allowed me to become aware of these patterns and habits and proclivities that my family, which I always say is my favorite F word, my my family is <laughs> is awesome. in these habits of trying to drag me into whatever drama, melodrama, conflict created or pulled in. And yeah, those boundaries really come in handy. I say, you know what? Nope. I am not going to get dragged into this. I can see what you're trying to do. I am going to walk away Mm -hmm. right now. And it makes people really uncomfortable when you aren't Mm -hmm. participating in the play. 
in the same role that you've always had. Yeah, when you set boundaries with other people, frequently, especially if they're controllers, they don't like that. Mm. Nope. Now, I do know that I'm going to have some listeners that if I don't ask you about your journey of coming out and owning that part of yourself, I'm going to hear about it. I'm going to say, they're going to say, Dana, why didn't you ask? You know, she said that that was part of her journey. You didn't ask anything about that. We would have really liked to have heard that part because I'm sure I have some listeners out there who are on that part of their journey, that that represents what they're experiencing right now. Maybe they have a good situation where they have support, or maybe they're in a situation where they don't have any support and they're just kind of wanting to find out what worked for other people, what their experiences were, what would you like to share with any of the listeners that are trying to honor who they are, whether it's, you know, their sexuality, their, their, their gender, whatever the case may be. And when it's going across the grain of what, maybe how they were raised or the people that they're around and what that feels like and, and how to handle that. The interesting thing about coming out is sure I came out a few years ago to my family and then I came out a couple of years ago on social media, but we have to come out almost every day. It's not just a one time thing. There are automatic assumptions. I have a reel on my Instagram about these automatic assumptions. If I'm not with my wife, they see my wedding ring and might ask me because I don't look gay which whatever that means, they might ask me about my, my husband Mm -hmm. and it, I can see the shock on some people's faces when I just say my wife and, oh, they, it's, it's a constant coming out process. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was beautiful and scary as all get out. And I am, I, I feel like I can be authentically me, especially now that I am married and, and not in that terrible dating situation. <laughs> My <laughs> wife and I were just saying the other day, like, gosh, if I had to get on another dating site, I don't know. Because especially as a lesbian, you know, you just don't meet that many people out. And, and I don't want to meet somebody because I don't drink. I don't want to meet somebody out in a bar because right. that's somebody who's a drinker. And I am really grateful for the support that I had. My siblings were very supportive and I am, you know, I, I, it's a constant struggle. My parents refused to come to our wedding. My siblings came, they have met my wife and we're from Southern, the Southern United States, Louisiana and Mississippi. And, and they were nice enough to her. But, you know, I, I just don't understand why, well, I do, I understand the indoctrination of some religions teach that homosexuality is a sin and that it, I, I grew up with that. So that's why it took me almost four decades to come out with my truth, mm-hmm. but it's just love mm-hmm. and, and yeah, gay people get divorced too. What makes us so special? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's just another form of love. And that doesn't mean that it's perfect. I mean, the only love that is perfect is unconditional love. And the only way to really enact that is by loving yourself unconditionally. Until we love ourselves through and through shadows and faults, we are never going to be able to truly accept and love somebody else. And I think that's 
where other people who are controlling and who I can think of, you know, especially in my own familial circle, you know, they haven't come to terms with themselves and accepted themselves fully, which is why they can't accept me or don't want to see me in my authenticity because it makes them afraid because it makes them feel like maybe they're going to have to do the same in their own life. Mm -hmm. So I like that. I like that idea, you know, that if, if, because, and and let me back up a little bit, because you said that you come out every day, really. And I wanted to point out on some kind of level and not to diminish the impact of what it's like to be gay in, in, in a society that, that has different ideas about things, not to diminish that at all, but to throw in alongside that to say, we're all just, we're all different. We all have mm. different characteristics. And some of those characteristics mm. aren't particularly acceptable mm. to society. So on some level, as we're on this journey of self-actualizing, of realizing who we are, if we're being honest about who we are and we're being transparent, and like I said earlier, and I've said before on my podcast, I, I'm all about transparency. I'm all about, can we just not just tell the truth? Just mm-hmm. tell the truth. So the question is, why is this such a big deal? Why do we have trouble telling the truth? Because of the, the reaction that we expect from people. And so on some kind of level, I think psychologically, don't we sort of come out every day if we're being healthy, that we're standing in our space, we're standing, you know, in our truth and saying, this is who I am, knowing that there's going to be some people that don't like it. And this even kind of transfers over to the boundary discussion that we were having earlier. If you set boundaries with people and they don't like it, they don't like your boundaries, they're going to, they're going to push, they're going to attack. And you have to, you have to come out in that. You have to stand in your space and your truth. And isn't that what coming out means? Standing in your truth every day. And it's just like knowing that if someone has some kind of reaction to you, understanding that that's their issue. It's, it's not yours. It's theirs. And that's so much easier said than done. And it's so hard to feel, uh, to not feel that pain when people are attacking and saying things. But after all is said and done, if you're standing in your truth and you're saying, this is who I am, you're not saying anything against anybody else. You're not saying you have to be like me. You're just saying, this is me. This right. is who I am. So if someone doesn't like that and they're attacking, seems to me on a psychological level, that's about their, Them. yes, exactly. that's about their emotions and their inability to accept your truth. You're not saying your truth has to be theirs. You're just saying, this is mine. Yeah. Other people's actions have nothing to do with us. Nope. And so just like the four agreements, Don Miguel. Oh, I love that book. (laughs) Just don't take it personally (laughs) because it has nothing to do with you. What is that quote? He says, there's a great amount of freedom that comes when we take nothing personally. Mm -hmm. I think that's from Don Miguel Ruiz beautiful. And it's true. There is a great amount of freedom that comes to us when we take nothing personally. It's not about you. It's not. Everybody's got their own little map inside of their head based off of their past experiences. And they're trying to predict the future based off their past. And, 
And their little map is not the entire territory. Mm -hmm. Every, you know, we just may not have maps that overlap at all. And that's why people say and do things. And we're so confused because they're in their own little world, literally inside of their head. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, we have covered so much ground and I, I really have just been amazed and uh, appreciative of everything that you have shared. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would really like to make sure that you got out there to my listeners? Or do you feel like we, we've pretty much covered everything that you'd like to cover? We covered a lot. My book is out. Uh, Look Lush is available on Amazon and on barnesandnoble.com. It's under $10 in paperback. It's under $4 digitally. So it's $3.99 for a digital download and $8.99 in print. It's a paperback. It's a very short read. If you don't think that you're into poetry, check out your love of memes and quotes. Because guess what? <laughs> That's poetry. Yeah. Poetry is just saying a lot with very few words. Mm-hmm. And so it's an easy read. It is not graphic, but it is cathartic. And, and basically it's a way to heal your own trauma through somebody else's eyes. The first section is 21 poems and it's entitled Look. And it does have that running theme of perspective and going within and looking at certain things in a certain way. And then the second half is called Lush. So Look is dealing directly with the sexual trauma. And Lush is 34 poems. And that is my coming out and healing from addiction, which happened simultaneously. I was 86 days sober when the pandemic hit. And I made sure that I went to the beach a lot. And I stayed sober. And I'm over two and a half years sober today. Wow. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Thank you so much. I mean, it's a really changed my life for the better. Absolutely. I am a better person. Yeah. Well, I I will definitely put look lush in the show notes. So listeners, if you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm driving. I can't remember what she just said. No worries. I'll put it in the show notes. You can get to it whenever you need to. Now I also have here, you have your website at Sarah spelled S A R A no H. Okay. S A R A web says says.com is that where you would like the listeners to go if they want more information about you and what you have to offer and just to kind of connect with what you have going on sure absolutely to book me as an inspirational speaker you'd go to my website sarahwebsays.com or my instagram i have lots of free reels i do a yoga minute i talk a lot about meditation and how you could do that practically and that's just at Sarah Webb says, S-A-R-A-W-E-B-B-S-A-Y-S. Awesome. Yeah, check me out online. Fantastic. I also work directly with clients as a coach. I don't take very many at a time. I'm completely full at this time. It's a 13-week program of coaching for one hour a week for 13 weeks straight. And it does include some other support. And it's a bespoke coaching situation where I design meditations that are tailored specifically for the client. We go into what are the goals that they have and it does have to do with meditation and getting into the body and and just getting honest with ourselves. I have worked with some people who are in the process of getting sober. That's not a requirement because you know, I do a talk about 
all the closets that we have to come out of, just like mm-hmm. you referenced, just, yes. you know, coming out as trans or gay or pansexual is not the only way that we have to come out. No. We, and, and it's all about speaking our truth mm-hmm. and speaking it with love. Yes. Because truth doesn't have to hurt. I think that maxim is not true. The truth doesn't have to hurt. We can do it kindly. We can do it with respect. And we can do it with a great amount of love for ourselves as well as love for those who are receiving the message. That is so true. I like that a lot. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. I, I so appreciate the time that you've taken out of your day and your willingness to be vulnerable and share with my listeners so that if they're somewhere on their journey where you've been and they're not as far as you've come and they're just kind of looking for a light somewhere to follow in the darkness that you have shined that for them, that they can follow that and and get a few more steps down their journey of healing. So thank you so, so much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Dana. Thank you for this platform. You're doing really amazing work. Thank Thank you. you. I appreciate it. Thank you. So listeners tell you what, I know you've heard lots of stuff today that you really want to share. So if it's for you, that's awesome. Maybe you're thinking of you've got a coworker or you have a friend or you have a family member that you're thinking, oh my gosh, they have got to hear what Sarah Webb has to say. So take the the link from the podcast and text it, email it, put it on your favorite social media platforms, get it out there so we can grow our Phoenix and Flame community. So I hope you've had a wonderful day and a good time listening to Sarah. And this is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.